And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable. The most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause. Like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots. What's the so tell me why you mad even. Welcome to the podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And we are coming to you on a Thursday afternoon after the Celtics have games in a row. It is not something that I am used to in the year 2022 of our Lord. But it has happened, and we are uh, – the Celtics are now operating in this – I don't want to call it a post-Rob Williams era because we also got the news that he's had successful surgery and will be back in four to six weeks. We're going to get Jay's thoughts on um, all things kind of related to Robert Williams. But, Jay, what did you think of the, the Celtics kind of first, first test uh, playing without the Time Lord? Well, everything's just more difficult without Robert Williams. And like Daniel Tice was really good. Daniel Tice was awesome. Daniel Tice played as as well as the Celtics could have hoped. But there's just a level of like ease with which the Celtics can play when Robert Williams is out there. A team can play perfect defense and then Marcus Smart throws a lob over the top and Robert Williams jumps over everyone and just slams it down. Or Somebody can make a hell of a drive and Robert Williams is just like lurking in the shadows waiting to swat it away. And and you don't have that without Robert Williams. So everybody else needs to be just a bit sharper. And and the offensive rebounds that he gets, like all those things contribute to easier possessions, more possessions for the Celtics. Um so I, I thought that was pretty evident in what was kind of a slog of a game for the Celtics. They never really got much going. They never were able to get any separation. And and there's just like an energy that they don't have when Robert Williams isn't out there. Now, they, they can still play really well. And, and like I said, Tice was awesome. But there's just a level that they can't reach when Robert Williams isn't out there because he's a ceiling raiser for, for them. Yeah, I think it's like it's there's going to be an adjustment period. So this was like their first game with like playing without him with the full roster. And they just didn't feel like they were as sharp on defense as they have been during this recent stretch. And I think Ime Udoka said that today during his availability, whereas a lot of open threes um, that the Celtics gave up either came from um, miscommunication or just uh, mistakes and not playing the right coverage. So it felt like the Celtics still adjusting to kind of having those lineups 
it felt like I don't know how much of a difference Rob Williams would have made, but it also felt like the Celtics had a real trouble defending DHOs with Bam. It felt like Lowry or Hero or anyone who kind of tapped, caught the ball off of Bam DHO uh, got either an open shot or kind of an open lane. And it definitely felt like the Celtics struggled with that on the defensive end. And it's, I don't know. I think they have an opportunity to kind of like clean up those mistakes. I don't know like what we saw against the Heat is necessarily like indicative of a lineup without Rob. I agree that it makes their margin for error a lot harder, but I do think that it was like also an adjustment game where we didn't see the the Celtics play at their best. Yeah, and and it it would actually be interesting to see what the Celtics would do against the Heat in a playoff series with Robert Williams because I like I could imagine them putting him on like PJ Tucker and just daring PJ Tucker to shoot the whole time, right? Or even like like the Lakers did in the finals a couple of years ago putting Robert Williams on Jimmy Butler and just like switching everything with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, like good, good luck using that guys. You know what I mean? So it's too bad that Robert Williams wasn't playing. And I just think his absence kind of, or his, his presence gives the Celtics so many more options. They don't have as many options without him. Uh, but I don't think that's the reason they lost. Like, like they really weren't sharp. Um, and they missed a thousand said, layups, especially the against the quarter. threes. And they, they let Adebayo get rolling too too often. They missed a ton of threes. Like Miami went zone and kind of took away the rhythm of the Celtics' offense. Max Struess was just like blocking everything for whatever reason. Uh, the Celtics could not could not avoid Mount Max Struess in in the middle. So the Celtics had a lot of issues. Um, the outside of the, the Robert Williams absence, but, but I, I do think like without him, they still have some things to figure out. One of those, those things, whether, um, whether Tice and Horford can play together and how, how good a duo those two guys will be. So that, that, that's something they plan to test out over the rest of the regular season. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. There's those possessions towards the end of the game where the Heat were really trying to get the switch onto Horford and trying to attack Horford. And I thought the Celtics did a really good job of recognizing that, and they would kind of switch Horford out as soon as the guy went up the screen. And it kind of led to a broken possession for the Heat. With Daniel Tice in there, does he offer kind of that same rim protection so you're a little bit more comfortable maybe uh, with Horford going out there? Or does Daniel Tice become the guy that uh, the Heat are trying to target, get their ball handlers on? And can Daniel Tice kind of hold up on his perimeter defense? And are you comfortable with Horford being that weak side kind of rim protector? It's just Rob is so such a security blanket in like just being able to clean up all sorts of mistakes that it kind of gives that big stuff out on the perimeter you can play up a little bit. You can kind of take away the shot more. And I don't know if I necessarily feel as comfortable as good as Daniel Tice played. It just feels like he's going to be the exact guy that you target. Uh, if him and Horford have the court together. Yeah. But, but like Tice was really good. And uh, I, I thought more so like 
if you're looking at that game as a possible playoff preview, or uh, like Ime Odoka said, that's that's the type of game we'll be playing in a little while. Um, if you look at it through that lens, like all the the nightmare scenarios of what could happen for the Celtics kind of popped up. Marcus Smart, three for 15 from the field. He did a lot of other things right, but three for 15 from the field. Al Horford and Grant Williams, 0 for 5 from 3 combined. Derek White, 1 for 4 from 3, 3 for 9 from the field. Like Peyton Pritchard, just 1 for 3 from behind the arc. All the supporting guys were missing at the same time. And and it really squeezed the it allowed the Heat to squeeze Jason Tatum out of the Celtics plans to some extent. And and they were giving other guys open threes. Those guys weren't able to knock those down. Um, and I think on a lot of occasions, if they get those same looks, they go down. But at the same time, if you're looking at a seven game series, like all you need is, is maybe one or two games like that to swing the entire series in the wrong direction. So from that perspective, I, I thought like it was a hint at what could go wrong for the Celtics, or at least like what other teams will be trying to get the Celtics to play like during a playoff series. Um, and like Robert Williams, if, if the heat goes on against Robert Williams, you put Horford in the middle and throw a lob, or you put Tatum in the middle and throw a lob. And then all of a sudden, like the zone isn't as effective. <laughs> and, and I thought like, like that, they, the Celtics have gotten used to having Robert Williams in there and they have to approach things a little differently when he's not. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they obviously have to do that. It's also not like they got clobbered. They were in that game. Um, a more biased fan might say that they got hosed by some um, lack of calls uh, towards the end where they – I actually thought they did a pretty good job of getting to the rim and not settling for jump shots. It just happens that Max Struess turned into uh, either a defensive wizard or uh, a very uh, beneficial of not uh, being called for any contact. But I like, didn't think the Celtics' offense in terms of process was that bad, but they did um, miss a, a lender of shots. But there, it was still a, a very close game. It wasn't like the – I think that with time, you can kind of tie up things on the defensive end and not let the – because Miami doesn't have the best half-court offense, and I thought it was some stretches for that game where the Heat really struggled to make shots. They did a much better job uh, of late, and you kind of had some flashbacks to 2020. Um, of just the Celtics struggling to score points uh, down the stretch, but or just January, process, or or just you know uh, October through January, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I didn't think it was like a, a horrendous in terms. Like I thought they got a number of good looks getting in the basket. They they smoked some bunnies though. Grant Williams smoked a bunny like like four minutes left. Jalen uh, Brown got two good looks, missed them both. I think Tatum. Um, got another look and missed it. Like they had opportunities to kind of pull that game out. And so I don't necessarily see it as like the Celtics are doomed is like, that was a, a like kind of worst case scenario for them. And they still were managed to be in that game. So I don't know if it's necessarily uh, indicative of what their performance is going to be. Uh, I think you have to give them some room for just like, this is their first time playing a full game without Rob in three months. Like they don't know exactly what the rotations are going to be or how to adjust. And um, they're kind of lucky they have five games left to kind of get some momentum 
uh, before the playoffs actually start. Are you ready or are you rooting for the Celtics to stay in the four seed right now? Yes, absolutely. I think it's, I think with some contemplation, the four seed, ideally, ideally the Bucks get the two seed. I want the Heat. I think the Heat, uh, I would go Heat, Bucks, Sixers, Celtics. You get the four seed, you get to play the Bulls, you get the uh, Bucks to play the Nets in the first round. That's a, that's a struggle. And then you kind of get the Heat in the second round. I think the Heat are still a, a better, the best matchup for the Celtics just because their offense is not as good. Although their defense proved to, in that goddamn Spolster zone, proved to be pretty difficult. Um, I just think at this point you want to get to the easiest opponent in the first round and avoiding the Nets just because you have no idea if they're going to be the one seed or the two seed uh, is just beneficial because Rob Williams had his surgery and is apparently going to be back in four to six weeks. Uh, Jared and I were talking about it last episode. We were kind of of the opinion that you don't rush Rob Williams back. He's only 24. He has four more years left on his deal. You don't want to do anything that like disturbs his long-term growth, but I thought it was interesting the Celtics announced the four to six week timeline because I feel like they're normally extremely conservative about like putting specific time frames on their players coming back from injuries. And so I guess what are your thoughts on like him, Robert Williams coming back in four to six weeks and how effective do you think he can actually be uh, if he rejoins the lineup, I guess, in what would be the, the middle of the second round? So this is like the one injury I actually know something about because I actually tore my meniscus once. Um, Ooh. So, but it all depends on like where the tear was, like how how big the tear was, how much they had to remove from the knee. Um, what like, but we've seen guys return very quickly from meniscus tears. I. I I I forget which star it was, but I think somebody returned in like 11 days from one. Um, And with the removal, like depending on how, how big the tear was, how incisive the surgery was, like you can come back pretty quickly. Um, But can you come back and be Rob Williams, explosive jumping, like be that effective? uh, Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Cool. The, the 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 repair of the meniscus, which is not what Williams did, is generally the better for long-term health, uh, but that's often not an option at all. And in this case, it sounds like it wasn't an option. At least that's what Emi Odoka suggested, the way he answered a question on uh, Wednesday night. So I, I'm not – I mean, obviously, every – recovery goes differently but the the way robert williams um like jumps around you hope that he's like a hundred percent ready when he comes back because he's going to be putting a lot of stress on that area when he comes back and i think the Celtics should be really safe with him they should be as cautious as they can they shouldn't rush him back just because a playoff series is 2-2 or whatever it is. Uh, like, they should let him take his time. He's young. He hasn't even started 
his four-year contract extension. Like that needs to be the the number one priority. The only priority is to make sure that he does whatever's right for his knee. And and from there, but but at the same time, like it's not you're you're, you're Jay King. You're Mister. Like you can't waste chances with Tatum and Brown. There's like there's no guarantee to championship windows, and that like you have to take every chance you can get. And like especially but before the Celtics got good this year, you're like oh you can't waste this like these years with Tatum and Brown. And so if Robert Williams coming back and giving you like 20 minutes a game at 80 percent puts you into contention for a championship, do you risk that? Do you risk that long-term hurt to his knee? I don't think they should. I think, number one, just for him, because he should be, like, his health should be the number one priority over whatever happens this season. And number two, if you're being smart about this, this is a young guy who's clearly a part of the core. It's a core that we've learned over the last two and a half months can work and work at an extremely high level. It's a core with Jason Tatum, who's, what is he, 24 years old now? And Jalen Brown is 25. And Robert Williams, who's, whatever he is, 24. Like, it's a super young core. And to to rush him back to for to try to capitalize in year one of this window would be misguided. Um, so let, let him take his time, uh, back to the four seed stuff. Like, yeah. What, what do you think the best path is for the Celtics kind of moving I, forward? I think, I think the four seed makes a lot of sense, especially if Miami is number one, because to me, like avoiding Milwaukee and Philadelphia while Robert Williams is out would be huge because the, the Bucks with Giannis, they just test your size so much and you need as much size on the court. Having Robert Williams in that game would be huge. And then Philadelphia with Joel Embiid and James Harden, they're going to, first of all, Joel Embiid, you need as much size as possible in the front court. And Harden and Embiid are going to put guys in foul trouble. So they'll test your depth. And I could see Horford picking up fouls in that series pretty quickly, guarding Joel Embiid as, as much as he's going to have to maybe switching out onto Harden sometimes and having Robert Williams for that series would be huge. So that's part of the reason why I think the the four seed as it lines up would probably be for the best for the Celtics. Um, now, will that change if Miami drops down? Yeah, maybe. But, but the way I see it, if you can avoid Milwaukee and Philadelphia while you don't have Robert Williams, and then get him back for a potential series against those guys. It just makes a lot of sense, especially because Chicago, I don't think, is like a, a real threat. Um, and or if, if you pl- end up playing Toronto, like I don't think they're they're really striking fear into the Celtics' hearts. So the four seed just just makes a lot of sense to me for the Celtics to want. Um, as as these last five games unfold, it's crazy. It's it's that close to the end of the regular season. Just five games but left. Five games left, and the Celtics don't really have a lot of opportunities to kind of jockey for position. I think you could justify 
Like they should win their next two games. They should absolutely beat the Pacers and beat the Wizards. Then they have the back-to-back with the Bucks or the the Bulls, then the Bucks, and then the final game of this year uh, year against the Grizzlies. I don't know if Hardo Ime is going to be for resting or trying to get certain position. He this doesn't seem like that's the type of guy he is, and I feel like he's talked about it. it's like we don't do that. Um, and from like a competitive standpoint, I definitely like that approach, and I feel like the basketball gods will doesn't do not favor people jockeying for position. But it's going to be interesting because their health, especially up front, like the health of Al Horford heading into the playoffs is so important. And there's just like, I don't see him playing in both games of that back to back. It's like, how do you decide what to do uh, heading into those games, especially considering like where Milwaukee could be? Does that kind of have a determination? I think like then you have the final game against Memphis. Maybe you want to lose that game for positioning. Like I think we've seen the Celtics in the past rest a bunch of guys on the final game of the season um, just for that purpose or when the, when the seeding was not in doubt. Um, I don't know. Do you, I, I just can't see Ime resting guys for kind of uh, to, to be a little bit worse in the standings. That's not in his DNA. No, but if you can play it off like like it's just resting guys at the end of the season, regardless. Oh, then, you know, like a lie. Then that's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you call an email a liar? Then no, I am not calling email a liar. I'm just saying sometimes you got to do what you got to do to to stay away from from the Joel Embiid's of the world uh, and the Giannis Antetokounmpo's of the world. So and and that is that is stay, fair. stay away from a possible first round matchup against Brooklyn too which I think most teams are interested in doing. So four seed sounds pretty, pretty, pretty good. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfum. A long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. I mean, we have it, it literally changes night to night. It's been, you mentioned, it's just like wild that it's so close with these top four seeds right now. Like, depending on what happens in the Bucks game tonight, it can be wildly different heading into the game against the Indiana Pacers. Things change wildly over the rest of the week. And all these teams, I think, still play each other, still have matchups against each other uh, in the final week. So it's going to be very, very interesting uh, to see how things go uh, down the stretch. I think the only other thing that's come out from the Celtics over the last day or, or at their media availability was Marcus Smart uh, calling out Rudy Gobert for saying he doesn't guard perimeter players and he think he should win Defensive Player of the Year. Smart has now leapt in to become the favorite in terms of Vegas betting odds. He had some crazy defensive plays uh, against the Heat. 
I don't know. We'll, we'll finish on this. What do you think of Marcus calling out Rudy Gobert and then also him becoming like the pro hit, the, the betting favorite for defensive player of the year? Do you think the Rob injury just like uh, cemented that for him? I don't think Marcus Smart was really calling out Rudy Gobert. That's just, just the truth. That's right. the tweet I saw, Jay. That is the tweet that I saw. I said Marcus Smart took a shot at Rudy Gobert. Yeah, well, I I just don't see it as a shot at Rudy Gobert. Like, it's just he cannot guard all five positions. He and Marcus Jay Smart King takes a shot at Rudy Gobert. I'm not taking a shot at Rudy Gobert. Rudy <laughs> Gobert in the regular season. Is typically as impactful as any defender in the league, um, but I, I do think. I mean, you look at the odds. Marcus Smart has a very good chance of winning it this year. He would be the first guard to do it since I think 1996, which yeah, is crazy. Club. And the 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 thing that stood out to me about that story, which you're you're quoting a or the, the Marcus Smart quote about Rudy Gobert was in a, a piece by Tim Bontemps for ESPN. The thing that stood out to me is that uh, I'm, I'm going to read this quote, but it, it's from Quinn Snyder, Rudy Gobert's coach, who, who said, and I'm, I'm going to first, first read Bont- what Bontemps wrote and then Snyder's quote. Snyder said a player like Smart, while seven inches shorter and nearly 40 pounds lighter than Gobert, is more than capable of impacting the game in a similar way. You look at Smart's strength, his size, his quickness, Snyder said last week. He's not a shot blocker, but in some kind of ironic way, he's able to do things off the ball that are equivalent because he's a deterrent. It's almost like Jalen Ramsey in the Super Bowl. You don't want to throw to that side of the field, so his versatility is really what makes him unique. That part cracked me up because it's it's Rudy Gobert's coach being like, yeah, <laughs> like that. Marcus Quinn Smart Snyder guy. calls that Rudy Gobert. That Marcus Smart guy is a Super Bowl winning player right there. Uh, so th- that part cracked me up because that. I mean, I did not expect Quinn Snyder to to be out here stumping for Marcus Smart for <laughs> for Defensive Player of the Year, even if he's not like. Fully it's, doing that. He's not actively stumping for it, but it's like funny. Like coaches are obviously, at least the Brad Stevens mold, will always compliment good players on the other team. Yeah. Well, Quinn Snyder got asked that like a week ago, presumably while the Jazz were in uh, Boston. And he had to know that where that was going to be shared in the context of Defensive Player of the Year. It's just interesting to see if, if that was a Daryl Morey right organization. They would not be able to talk about uh, the virtues of other players uh, in terms of postseason awards. So Quinn Snyder had to know, at least you would hope he had enough media savvy that, to know how that was going to be portrayed. That is an interesting quote. Probably the aggregating place should have uh, used that quote much more salacious uh, than Marcus Smart just saying Rudy can't guard five positions. That was the quote that stood out to me. I was like, damn, Quinn Snyder, he didn't give just the normal – like like rave about a, uh, an opposing player. He compared him to Jalen Ramsey in the Super Bowl. You don't want to throw to that side of the field. <laughs> Where meanwhile, like like the Jazz are just putting Rudy Gobert on Terrence Mann and shit in the playoffs, and he's still getting lit up. No offense to to Rudy, who's a terrific terrific defensive 
player, at least during the regular season, and probably would be even better in the playoffs than he is if the rest of the Jazz could actually keep their man in front of them. So, but yeah, it, it's it's shaping up to for Marcus Smart to potentially win Defensive Player of the Year. I feel like everything is going in his direction at this point. Like, we had Seth Partnow at The Athletic come out and say Marcus Smart would be his choice. We've got Draymond Green, who would have probably been the choice, just missed a ton of time. Rudy, his team's defense, like, just isn't good enough this year. Mikhail Bridges is the other one, but he hasn't gotten the same hype for whatever reason as Marcus Smart. Bam Adebayo is close, but he's missed. he missed a lot of time, too. I just think it's all lining up for Marcus Smart right now. It really is. I think I think he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. I think in a weird way, like the Rob injury helps his candidacy because now it's like no one, there's no one going to split votes for Rob and Marcus Smart. And it's like unfortunate because of the timing, but I do think that helps. And it, it is shaping up uh, for Marcus Smart depoy. It'd be uh, first time a guard in a while. Be, uh, fascinating stuff. Well-deserved. And he just does some crazy stuff that just no one else does. And it's like his ability to turn defense into offense. I know that's like not necessarily part of the award, but he's the best player I've ever seen of like guy who gets a steal and then immediately passes it to the right place uh, for a layup. And he had a couple of those last night for, uh, for the Celtics that were just like, holy shit, that was impressive. Yeah. And I think also the thing we probably don't talk about enough is just how much his ability to guard any type of player allows the Celtics to guard teams the way they do. Like we talk a lot about how Robert Williams can guard, you know, the uh, a, a wing and, and help off. And we talk a lot about how Al Horford has, has switched and, and gone on to opposing guards. That only works because the Celtics point guard can guard anyone. And I thought Brian Scalabrini said it well. He, he said, I think he said Marcus Smart's the best defensive player he's ever seen. Uh, as a man who played with Kevin Garnett, that is very high praise. But what he said was Smart can guard anybody both on or off the ball. And I think that's a, a big point, too. Like, he's really good at everything defensively. He's not just an on-ball guy. He's not just an off-ball guy. Like, he's good on the point of attack. He's good in the post. He's good out on the perimeter. Like, he can literally do anything. And and so, I mean, the Celtics, they basically built their roster around the idea that unleashing Marcus Smart at point guard would turn their defense into a hellacious group. And that's kind of how it worked out. And obviously, everybody else in their rotation is plus defenders. and But having Marcus Smart at point guard rather than, you know, an Isaiah Thomas, a Kyrie Irving, a Campbell Walker, somebody who's going to be a target, has left them with no holes. And and so to have that at the point guard position is just really kind of stupid. Like, most teams, you need to have uh, a guy who's a little bit of a target because he's going to be the initiator of your, your offense, everything else. But Marcus Smart can initiate the offense and also guard centers. So. He has been, I, I, 
he's he's worthy of defensive player of the year if he gets it. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Are you still there? My Wi-Fi cut out, but hopefully I'm back. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. And I'm glad you're back. Oh, Great to have you back. I'm assuming you were just waxing poetic about Marcus Smart's ability to do everything on defense in my absence. Yeah, pretty much. That was uh, pretty much exactly how it went. Um, <laughs> I do think like the, the fact that he can switch, and I, I'm guessing you mentioned this, but you don't have any cause for concern. Like Most of the time we focus on switching. It's like the big going out and guarding the guy on the perimeter. But the Suggs have no concern about like Marcus Smart being matched up with someone in the post. Like sure they'll scram him out just because like it's easier sometimes, but like that's just not a big deal uh for the Celtics. And it's really like a huge reason why they have the defense that they do. Did I just did I just rephrase exactly what you said? Did I basically just repeat what you said? You sort of yeah, sort of repeated it. And then also like he can keep big guys off the glass too, which is huge. And it doesn't always show up as a reap. We saw him box out Bam last night a couple times. It was like, oh, man, he shouldn't be able to move a man of that size. Yeah, Smart smart has been a monster. And and using Smart at point guard is like like a defensive cheat code. Like, if he's your smallest guy, the other team is, is pretty screwed most of the time. Well, I think that's a, a fair assessment. I don't know what's going on with my Wi-Fi, so I'm going to uh, kind of take this opportunity to uh, end the podcast. We'll join you probably sometime early next week after the Pacers and Wizards game. Um, Jay, I just have a final question for you. Is loving and trusting Marcus Smart, is that potable? I think we just potted about it. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, anything's potable. It's obvious at this point. If you guys don't get that, I don't know what you're doing. Anything is potable. The whole point of the show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.